Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a tremendous conversation for all of you listeners today, one we have long wanted to have here on this show as I am joined by two members of two of my favorite teams in recent college tennis memory, members of the 2013 and 14 UCLA Bruins, a couple of college and pro tennis standouts in Clay Thompson and Caruso joining me on the show today. Of course, given we had them, had to ask about that 2013 final, one of the most memorable moments in college tennis history. Adrian Puget, their loving teammate's foot, hits the net. Thus, match point is unable to be converted by the Bruins. Virginia comes back to win the 2013 championship. Now, right off the bat, we're ripping that Band-Aid off and opening the wound for all of you Bruins tennis fans listening in. But look, they were too guys who played integral parts in that match had uh, here their firsthand perspectives of what went down. Wanted to ask them about their time in college in general to be a part of some really special college tennis teams, be around top 100 guys in Mackie McDonald, Marcus Giron. What is that experience like? What do you take away from being in proximity to players like that throughout your college career? How does that help you improve? Wanted to ask all about that, about where each of those guys see our sport heading in the next few seasons. Then, of course, had to talk to Clay and Carew about the latest innovation in improving your tennis game, the Improve app spelled M-P-R-O-O-V app.com to learn more. Look, they just want to make it easier for tennis players across the world to get better. They want to make sure the information you have presented to you is the best possible information so that you can get the most improvement in your game. And it's not just forehand, backhand technique. No, it's a game plan for improving. What should you be doing? How long should you be doing it? What should it look like as you're doing it? The Improve app offers all of those things. And again, that's why it was great to have Clay and crew on the show, not just to get the chance to reminisce with them, but to get to talk about a product that we believe here in, uh, we believe in here at Crack Rackets. And again, looking forward to learning more about. So it was great to have them on to talk about the Improve app. If you want to learn more again, M-P-R-O-O-V app.com to learn the full story. But with that said, let's get to it. Here is my conversation, a tremendous one with two former UCLA Bruins standouts, Clay Thompson and Carousel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The amazing Mr. Please, please, please himself. 
Joining us on the podcast today is one returning champion and one guest we have long been hoping to have on the podcast. Let's start with the voice you both know best. Now, of course, listeners will remember him as a former standout player during his time at UCLA, a top 500 ATP ranked player as well. But of course, now we know him as that face that pops up. Anytime you try to use YouTube, you might also know him as, in my opinion, the winningest player in UTR events history. It is our dear friend Carousel back on the podcast. Carew, welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for, I mean, that was a, that was a long intro now. Like, I, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's solid. But yeah, yeah, happy to be back. I feel like we haven't done this in a while. Yeah, it's been far too long. It's your fault. You continue to rack up the accolades. And seriously, I think my YouTube formula might just have me figured out. I get two things every time I hop on. A, cooking videos, because if it's a minute of someone making food, I will watch it. The other thing is always the latest My Tennis HQ video. So it's great to see all of your success. And we're happy to have you on the show today. Of course, we are also happy to be joined by your former teammate. And let's be honest, the far more accomplished player of (laughs) Of course, you may all remember him as an All-American during his time at UCLA. He is now the co-founder and COO of the Improve app, something we want to bring to all of your tennis fans' attention today. It is Clay Thompson joining us on the show. Clay, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm great. As you said, another beautiful day in LA, and I'm really happy to be here. I've long respected the kind of brand that you've built with Cracked Rackets and very excited to chat. I think we're in store for some fun conversation. Yeah, it is a pleasure to have you. Let me be clear. I don't think this podcast would exist without everything that was the Clay Thompson college tennis career because it was people like you, that energy you brought to the court. You just didn't see that in other aspects of the sport. And it was something, you know, your career was, I think, 2011 to 2014. That's like smack dab in my high school years when you have nothing else to do but follow college tennis full time. So truly, I appreciate the kind words and it is a pleasure to have both of you. And since I have you both, look, we'll get to the Improve app. We'll discuss all things that you are up to. But this is a conversation I've had with Carew before. I've wanted to ask everyone who's been involved in the match's perspective because it is one of the seminal moments, and in my opinion, the best match in college tennis history. Let's rip off the Band-Aid, open up the wound right away. 2013, Clay. Adrian's running up to the net to knock off the volley. Did his foot hit the net? And what was your reaction to all of that? 100% hit the net. Definitely (laughs) kicked it. None of us saw it at the time, but it was replayed on the tennis channel. And it's so evident that he really ran into the net. (laughs) My reaction at the time, despair, obviously. This comes seconds after, no, sorry, minutes after the lead referee of the tournament asked us kindly, when you win, please don't Gatorade bath on the court. We have to play the women's final after you. So you could imagine. Yeah, that's devastating. I didn't know that detail. You could imagine just how we feel and to have, you know, your my my roommate, my closest friend on the team, probably and Adrian Puget at that time feeling so, so sad about the moment. I mean, it was it was really tough in retrospect. I think it's a hilarious moment. I'm so glad it happened. I'm so glad to be a part of that team. I think it's a memory that, you know, I share with Carew and everyone else as, as part of that team. And as I kind of told you in the beginning, I'm I'm all for it now. It's a great it's a great memory. The 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 one that really bummed me out was the following year. Yeah. So 
I want to ask you about the three teams, which I think were all very good. When Carew flexes after beating Julian Urquin, are you thinking on the sideline, like, dude, it's not that impressive. Like, don't flex. You don't have the arms to do it. I'm, I'm thinking at the time, I don't know if he really did have the arms. I was, now, do, now I was he doing does. a lot of bicep curls. I was doing a lot of bicep curls that year. I just finished workouts and just do bicep curls. You know, you're a great team. You're trying to, you know, get jacked. You're not training for for tennis. You're training for looking good for, you know, yeah, females. No, Trading for the Brentwood nightlife. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. No, well, but to answer your question, yeah. to answer your question, when I saw Carew beat Julian Ergwin in that match, I said, wow, that's a freshman. And he. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love to hear. Well, you know, again, looking at the teams you were on, Clay, it's a three year run. That's one of the, again, the three-year runs I remember most definitively from the past decade. And obviously, the 2013 team makes the final. The 2014 team, you guys make the semis. That 2012 team is the one I think gets unfairly thrown aside. Because looking at that roster, I mean, four losses that year. Three of them were to the Fort Pete Champs USC. And so I've asked Carew what's better, the 13 or 14 team. I'll add 2012 in the mix for you, Clay, of the three, which was the best team. I think from a statistical standpoint, you have to take 2014 as far as I think everyone on that team. So it was me, Marcos, Mackie, Gage, Adrian, Carew. Everyone in that in that conversation is ATP top 500. I think besides Gage, I don't did what is Gage's high? I'm not sure at this point, but I mean, right around ATP 500. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I'd, I'd like to see the stats on, on other teams that, that fielded that much individual talent. And I think what really made us impressive through all the three years was UCLA was a little bit of a kind of do it yourself uh, environment. We didn't really have like a strong team culture in the sense where everyone was kind of working out together. And and it was sort of more like everyone was doing their own thing and everyone had such a big ego that they wanted to be the best. So it was just kind of everyone pushing each other, pushing each other. It wasn't like necessarily this team coming together to like be the best. It was like everyone wanted to be the best themselves and that pushed everyone else to be better. And that sort of became our culture. And I was kind of really proud of, of like the, of the environment that that created. And I, maybe Carew can speak to that as well from his perspective, because, he, you know, as a, as a kind of foreigner coming over, um, he came, I think his springs, the spring quarter. And, you know, what is that like, like coming into a UCLA team where everyone's just like so proud of how good they are and, and trying to be as good as they can. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, when I came in that spring, that was a 2012 team. And there was obviously, there wasn't a place in the lineup. <laughs> it was just plain and simple. You know, you come in, you know, like Clay and, and Nick are playing one and two. You know, Novikov came in right with me. Um, and obviously he, you know, he was one of the top recruits in the, in the nation. So he plays and then Marcos is at four. And and you have two established guys at five and six, basically, you know, with Adrian and, and McCurchin. So there, there wasn't any spot. I just kind of come in like, that year, you know, that quarter really just kind of like hung out, kind of figured it out. And then the following year, um, it's still kind of like, I know Nick, Nick was graduating. Um, so there was going to be that, that spot in the lineup, but then you have like Max, who was also a guy who got the top, you know, like 320, I think. Um, 
in, in the lineup. So I, I, I was just a bit, honestly, I was just kind of like all, all over the place. I didn't really know what was going on. I was just kind of showing up to practice and playing and I knew it was good enough to, to, to be in the lineup, but you just never know. And I kind of took lucky. that into being the best six in the country by far yeah. pretty much that year as a freshman. <laughs> I mean, like exactly. as your first year in college tennis. So, yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, I got, I got the opportunity to play um, just cause like, it wasn't like we were set in the lineup really, but you know, Max, Max got injured right before season on that stupid workout that we did after practice that like, wasn't even like scheduled. We just went out there did some relays and, he pulled his quad or something and then I was in and, and from that point on um I think part of like a good part of my career was I've always been good at beating guys that I feel like I'm supposed to beat um so that's a quality that I think at bottom of the lineup some some guys struggle with and I felt like I've, I was always like good at that so you know as soon as I got that chance I go on a you know 12 and 0 run and you know the rest is history so you know you have to earn your spot and 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 you, you know, it was just the way it was. And the competition, again, like Clay said, we might maybe weren't as like team culture like some teams, but we we got, you know, we just kept pushing each other to get better. Yeah. Well, you know, hearing you talk about that level and obviously a guy you both know well in Yana Kaufman now into the top 50, you know, he's at a neighboring school at USC and you mentioned what you guys had on your roster. I'm curious to that point, crew walking in, you have a guy like Marcos who is now obviously you've worked with and has been in the top 100 for a couple of years. You join a team like clay who, you know, had been a top 20 college guy throughout the course of his career. It may sound like a silly question to listeners, but as someone who had played high level junior tennis, you know, you had traveled a little bit and seen some of the best that was out there to be offered would you walk on campus or you're like, this level is different than what I was expecting? Is it higher? Is it lower? And, you know, again, to, mm. to see it, does it shock you to see from the level it was then that so many of these guys continue to go on and have success in the pros? Definitely not shocking. Um, I think, like, weirdly, what was interesting come, being into foreigner on the team is that it was a weird crop of like SoCal guys that got into UCLA for like many years for it was like you know the clay and Nick Meisters and and like and Daniel Kosakowski Daniel Kosakowski and then Marcos and oh California guys in general like Novi and then Gage and Mackie it was like all these California guys and not many of them aside I think Marcos kind of last year of juniors did well and Mackie was obviously like you know a good junior but not of in terms of ITF but not a lot of them like were in that circuit. Um, you know, I think most guys just kind of battled here in California and, and that was good enough because the level here in California is good enough. You don't need to travel um, to become a high level player. So you come in and you're like, kind of, who are these guys? And then you realize, oh, these guys are actually pretty good. Um, everyone's pretty damn good here. You know, McCurchin, you know, a guy that like really didn't play any ICFs, but, you know, it was just absolute nails back there, you know, beating guys. So, um, yeah, it, it was a, it, it's definitely not surprising to, to, to see where everyone got. If anything, maybe a lot of us underachieved, <laughs> to be honest, in pros. Um, but I think, you know, as you come in, um, you, you, you're used to maybe a certain level just because of the ITFs thing and you, you, that is the at the time was the metric, right? Like you're looking at the ITF range, it's like, oh, this guy's top 10, this guy's like whatever. Uh, without knowing 
you know, how, how strong California in itself was. So uh, you come in and you're like, Oh, this guy's never played an ITF in their lives. And they're like, we'll probably be top 20 in, in the world juniors. Yeah. And I'm curious, Clay, if you felt that same way. And also one of my favorite quotes we've ever had on this podcast, I was asking Carew about that 2014 team and he talked about his first practice with Mackie and he goes, I knew, I go, dude, you're just so good. Like that is Carew's quote to Mackie is you're just so good. Um, did, did you feel that way? You know, again, when these guys walk on, did you see that level that, and you know, to see, Three guys, again, Mackie, Marcos, and I'll throw Yannick in there because you saw plenty of them, all top 100 guys. Does that surprise you? I don't know if it does, to be honest with you. And and I have so much respect for all all these people's games, you know, through and through. Um, and I kind of knew they would be successful. And I think with pro tennis, it's one of those things where if you have the skills to cut it like all those people do, it's just, are you willing to to do it. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's aside from their innate tennis ability, I think all the three people that you just mentioned are mentally so strong and have, if you talk to them at any point in their lives, it's like, I want to be a professional tennis player. I want to be competing at Wimbledon. I want to be competing at, at the, the highest level. And so in that respect, it doesn't really surprise me. Um, I think it, it, I am surprised a little bit by like our era of players of just, um, you know how many have done really well especially on the doubles tour i mean even to say some of the girls now we have the juju the desirees you know grand slam champions um and you know to see on the men's side you know nate lamons jackson withrow these these types of guys who you always thought were so good and had such a strong mental game but to see so many of them being successful um you know with all the injuries and all the variabilities that that come with pro tennis I think it's it's very very cool, and I, I think we are creating kind of an era of of players who are very successful at the highest level, who go to college and are not really going this. I just play professional tennis like that, and they're all really good people too, which I think is is a lot to to say about the maturity of the game. It does feel like it's all mental. That's what I'm starting to learn, Carew. Is it's just yeah. who is willing to stay out there the not stay out there the longest because that sounds simple, but it's who can suffer through all those losses there, I say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And continue to grow their game. I mean, I think we're seeing that a little bit with Cressy now. Um, you know, a huge respect, obviously, for what he accomplished. And now it seems like players are trying to are figuring him out a little bit. And even from my own experience, I mean, I only got to 400, but like, how much easier it was that first year just pl kind of playing free and no one really knows you and you're playing great and you're going to these cool tournaments as opposed to that second year that third year where people know you you're playing to defend points you're playing in the same cities over and over like to be able to do what marcus and mackie have been have done for the past six years it takes a mental fortitude that is not for the uh not for the faint of heart yeah i think like the tricky part is now that i I've traveled enough on, on tour as well. I think with, obviously there's, there's a difference when you're traveling, like with Naomi and she's a superstar and the treatment is a bit different versus, you know, you're traveling with Marcos. Um, the, the interesting part is that, um, you, you think that the tour gets like a lot better when you get on tour, you know, you you think like you're a challenger guy, let's say, right. Um, and you think you move into the 250s, 500s, thousands, you think like, oh my God, it's going to be so much better. And it, it, weirdly, it is not. It, it is in terms of the financial compensation. You're obviously you're going to suffer through. And, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're playing, you know, well enough and you're finishing 500 in the year, 
you you're still making 1.52 million bucks great um but in terms of lifestyle um it is not that great you know you you're playing in holly you know we were just in the holly 500 atp and 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 marcos was in the qualies and um there's no uh there's no rooms at the good hotel. So we were just sent into the like little town, like hotels that are basically like, I mean, they're, they literally look like dorm rooms, no AC in the middle of the summer. So you're just like, you're choosing between, you know, leaving the windows open and, and, and not, or not sleeping because it's too hot. Um, and it's like a really, I, I know it sounds like, like you're, compl- you're complaining about it, but it's still like a, you know, a great place to be, but you know, you would think at the highest, highest level, like the tournaments would just be a lot better. You know, it's, it's still, it's hard to sometimes schedule in courts and things like that. It's like, it, it's weird, weirdly not that different from any other tennis event that you ever played. So for you to, to really, you know, hunker down and, and suffer through, not suffer through it, but like, you see what I'm saying? It's like it, to do that for, you know, week, 30 weeks a year, every year, um, in the same same hotels and things like that. I mean, it's it's the same cities. It's it's not that good, and and that's it's almost a turnoff as you as you're trying to play. You know, if you're a futures guy or challenger guy, um, to think that like, oh man, like this, it, you know, you you see like you know an NBA or an NFL or, or soccer. Obviously, they're team sports, but man, those guys are way better taken care of and way better. I think. You know the, the money that they're making is a lot higher because the prize money distribution is a lot higher. So um, it's a tricky thing. It's a really tricky thing because then you have to be like, hey, like, f it, I'm gonna go through this and 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 obviously like set myself up for for life. But uh, it's it's not it's not easy. People think it's like better than what it is. So Gre- Greskin, I'd be curious to to your opinion on this. Um, Obviously, you've probably heard this same kind of story a lot and, you know, with the struggles of the pro tour and all that. So I think about it in this way of like when when fans see that, when when students of the sport, whoever, the supporters of the sport see that, it's like, wow, that is tough. And maybe their attention goes somewhere else to see something that's a little bit more glamorous. And I think we saw a little bit of that with Breakpoint, Full Swing, even, you know, kind of the, the big one, which was Drive to Survive, you know. In full swing and drive to survive, you're seeing these people live like a very glamorous, jet-setting, super cool life. And then you go to the break point and it's like Felix saying about how nervous he is to play Nadal. So, and just with the kind of repeat of this narrative of how tough the pro tour is, like, what do you think is, like, what do you think that optics is to the to the standard viewer who's choosing between watching Formula One or golf and tennis and just continually hearing the story of how unglamorous life is on tour basically yeah it it's so different because i feel you it's tough because i don't watch minor league golf which i imagine is similar to challengers and futures lifestyle at least to some extent now it's so funny to caru's point you know the we'll say marcos was the 38th highest ranked player in the holla draw well the 38th guy on a football roster is still getting a spot at the nice hotel it's like the 38th yeah. player in the tennis draw is not. And yeah, I, I've been in those hotels. I, I've seen some of the facilities, not to diminish anyone who's willing to put on a pro event, shout out to you, but you're not, you know, you're not playing in these large stadiums. You're playing at high schools. You're playing at local clubs, all of these different places. And I think that through that, 
the quality of tennis that you still see is just immense. Like anyone who attends these events in Definitely. person, to Cruz's point about how it's not that different, I also think the level is not that different, which is the crazy shot. It's really, you know, the guy at the challenger level is probably 10 points better than the guy at the futures level. The guy on tours, same thing, probably five to 10 points better than that, than that lower ranked guy. That to me is the story. That's what we yeah. want to sh- shine a spotlight here on Crack Rackets. It's that through all of that, through, you know, I'll just use this guy because I've seen him. I've watched Cannon Kingsley work out in a Hilton hotel room and be like, look, I got to get my lunges in and there are weights here and there's a bench so I can do it here. And this is just going to have to work. Like, that's what the majority of these guys have to do to even get through to that tour level. And I think that is compelling. I, I do. Now, what is the ultimate payoff? That's, a, that's, that's where things start to get tough, right? Because if it's only really the top 25 guys or top 25 women, either way, who are, get to ultimately enjoy the benefits of all of that hard work, yeah, it, it's a tough system to get people motivated to enjoy or get involved with. At the same time, that's why we love college tennis, because if you put in all that work at the juniors, there are payoffs, whether it's scholarships or that opportunity to play at the next level, just do all of these different things. It's the broader thing. Is, again, tennis has a pathway to more broad successes, but... I, I think the college tennis part is, is really interesting, yeah. too, because I remember actually on that 2013 year, our strength coach, who Carew would do all the bicep curls with, he <laughs> came to me. So he was the tennis and basketball strength coach. And he came up to me at NCAAs in Illinois, and he said, this is some of the most incredible sport competitive sporting i've ever seen the guys on the basketball team don't try half this hard they don't care half as much as you guys do they don't put in half the effort that you guys do like it is so incredible for me to witness this as a strength coach who doesn't really know that much about tennis but then you turn around and so you have that level of competitiveness but then you turn around and the average person they'd probably rather watch the basketball game because it's on tv and it's at a nice stadium and it's just like the rest of the environment yeah. is kind of more suited to them that's yeah i mean it's a, it's a complicated it's a complicated sport to watch just in general right like mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's on 18 different platforms and whatnot i mean it's the stuff that we talked about but yeah i mean it, the weird part is that like i actually think that probably even some challengers that you've been going to more might might actually be run almost as as well as an atp five 250 or 500 you know and, and it's a weird thing like of course i'll give you I, we went to the Houston ATP this year, 250, like nothing, nothing crazy in terms of like prize money or anything like that. But the event, unbelievably well run. Like it's at that really nice country club and, you know, people in the country club like really enjoyed uh, coming and watching the, 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 the tennis, like the, the stadium was pretty full. So the, the, the problem is like, you know, I, I think a lot of these a lot of these events like in the calendar are just in places where people don't give a f- and and uh, like we have to at some point just like you know like someone gave it this i i overheard it but someone was like really good idea was just kind of like you know you have the date for the tournament let's say you're houston or something you have two years to make that 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 event like profitable and selling you know selling tickets otherwise like that we're gonna take it somewhere else and you just have to like keep the fire lit and make those events like like really like want to commit to you know all the mexico events are great right everyone like loves like a pool cool los cabos uh, i don't know if you've been i haven't been to the challengers but everyone says the challenger are amazing there 
like, well, let's let's follow the places where you know people want to really watch and make it a party, and 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 players want to go. Like, we we just have this like structure to the calendars. Like, we have to go here, and I have to go here, and here, and here. Um, but like, we, we you can do a lot better than that. And 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 again, we've talked about this being too long and what and whatnot. But it's just one of those things. Like, it's 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 a bit annoying. It's a bit annoying now. Now, like after being a bit on tour uh, a little longer to, to just feel like it's not that great. The money is great. And again, like I don't want people to feel like if I was in a top hundred player, and I was making that money. It's fantastic. And, you know, you're going to have some cool experiences. Marcos basically played on every center court this year. It's been cool. Um, but overall, like I think for being like the you know third or second or whatever biggest sport in the world, um, to still feel like it's it's good enough, you know, yeah. it's, it's good enough is not great. One of my new pet theories I've been thinking about, and it's so simple, but I think it it bears speaking out loud. Tennis is also a Monday through Thursday nine to five sport, and simply mm-hmm. put, people are busy during that time of day, during that stretch of the week. And that's when the majority of a tournament is happening. And it's one thing to have the pageantry of a slam because that, you know, those are events you'd attend regardless of when they're taking place. And there's still a reason, you know, again, those night sessions, that's when the stadiums are at their most full. That said, like it, it's hard to get anyone to go anywhere Monday through yeah. Thursday at that time and at, barring shortening tournaments making them Friday through Sunday which will just never happen because there are too many dude but here play. wait wait like okay, hear me out go. like, I've gone I've, I've talked to this with Marcos and he thinks a great idea and he's asked a lot and most people on tour agree that it should be all those 250s and 500s because they're all 32 draws basically right like they're not they should be like Wednesday through Sunday because the, the the scheduling drives me off the wall. Sometimes you can play first round on a Sunday, and then you're playing second round like Thursday because you're playing a seed who is like advanced and they're only coming on third. It's like there's so much dead time on tour. There's so much wasted time. We're just wasting time all the time. It's like, dude, I get it. Maybe if it rains on that Wednesday, it's going to be tough. But like – no one's coming on Wednesday anyways. Just get all these first-round matches, you know, make it like literally a college day. Like just we're just playing on eight courts in the same time and just have people just like the traveling will be easier. Have Monday, Tuesday qualities. You know, you finish on Sunday. You have Monday and Tuesday to travel and you play. You play again on Wednesday the following week. It would make tennis like enough with the like days off and blah, blah, blah. And then there's a guy who's advanced and Marcos has to go and play on Monday. But the guy who's like, on a 28 draw why have a 28 draw you know what i mean just like have a 32 draw he's showing up on thursday to play and you're having like this three-day gap it's bananas it's like there's so much wasted time um just just let's run with it like let's just like once it starts let's just go and finish this thing because by friday people are showing up so wednesday thursday wash friday saturday sunday fun it's like just keep it simple like we like there's so much uh, now this 10-day event all the time Oh my God, dude. It's, it's <laughs> just like, we're just sitting around so much. There's just so much sitting around and waiting. It's like, we need action. People don't have time. People don't have, to, don't have time, but like we're in a different sort of like world now. We don't have the attention spam to like keep up with like Madrid is still going. It's what? Like it's feel like it feels like it started like three weeks ago. 
Then we're still like in the semis of Madrid two weeks later. It's like, what is happening? Let's just get through it. No, Clay, Anyways, thoughts? My rant here. No, I like it, Clay. I, I I agree. I think that, I mean, who actually goes to Monday, Tuesday at Atlanta, D.C.? Like, I mean, uh, 11 like those tickets, yeah, they're just like giving those tickets away. Who's going to like Tuesday at Newport? Like, that's when I got beat by Steve Johnson in 50 minutes. No one's paying to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I love the concept of a tournament bringing together the community of the city that it's in and i think the best tournaments that i've ever played are the ones that have that feeling and it's like a week-long celebration and it starts on monday and it's very tame but there's still fun stuff to do and you're kind of building up to it and then by the time that it does get to that final it's it's the coolest i mean it's it's the coolest celebration of a city and i mean it's it's around the medium of tennis and so i think from a like business perspective of running a tournament, I think it does make more sense to probably shorten it. I think from just a pure, you know, I'm watching matches online and I want to kind of get the best experience. I also agree with you, but I think like that's kind of what made tennis cool, you know, in the, in the golden age basically was that for a week in your town or your city, it, this tournament was happening. And you could interact with the players. You could see them at restaurants. You could see them in the gym, you know, that, element is really cool to getting spectators out and kind of immersed in the culture of tennis that culture might be dead and it's never coming back i don't know but like to me that's something that was very cool about the tour which i feel like is not currently present in the ecosystem it's still a week event you just have monday tuesday qualies and then wednesday thursday saturday sunday it's still like the same yeah. sort of thing it's just like structure in a way where it's like let's let's kind of like you know, let's say like, you know, Wednesdays are the crazy day and maybe people are into it. You know, maybe people are just walking the grounds. There's matches going on everywhere. Like it's yeah. happening. You know, you don't even need a Nowadays with the, 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 the line calling system, we don't even need refs. You know what I mean? Just have them go play and call it a day. You know, just like have a roaming ref, like in a, <laughs> like in a, in a future and just it's automatic blind calling anyways. Who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> You know, I just think like the, at least for the small events, the big events are fine. The big events bring money. They, they have that revenue. It's just the small events are so like hit or miss. I just feel like there's wasted opportunity there. But I agree. I mean, you know, I do agree. I mean, best, tournament, best tournament that we have like out here is Ojai. It's because like it's a week long celebration. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete celebration. Yeah, so which by the way, one of my pet theories to both of you, again, former UCLA Bruins, UCLA headed to my Big Ten conference. I think the Big Ten should get the Ojai as part of oh. the USC UCLA mergers. We also I'd get to that. now play a conference tournament at the Ojai. Is that fair? That's super that fair. Sick. I mean what what Big Ten team doesn't want to come out to Southern California for April? That's what I'm telling yeah. you. Pre NCAs get to work in. And I by like the way, idea. talk to me because I've heard from Crew Clay, you grew up in California. I, I want. Have you played? Do you play in the state Ohio? Do you play all? Yeah, levels yeah. Of I played. Ohio? I played Ohio probably starting at twelve years old, and then okay. through 16s, the state uh, championship, which I lost to to Marcos Garon in the finals. He played for Thousand Oaks. I played for Crossroads, okay. um, and then we played the my freshman year. It was the individual tournament, so I played Raymond Sarmiento there, and he whooped me like he always did. And I actually had a nice conversation with Peter Smith afterwards, and he admitted that uh, he liked me and I was a good player, which was quite nice. Um, and then my sophomore year, it was changed to the team event, and that's when I beat Raymond Sarmiento for the first time. Yeah, no, I love to hear and that. I played well, at 
played it through the pros. I won the doubles with Brandon Holt. That's a very cool accomplishment as well. Yeah, I, I just feel like those are the sorts of events communities don't have ever yeah. to to be able to bring all those levels together. That's, I mean, it's that's, amazing, and the yeah. the stands are packed. This is Ojai. Like I went, I went to lunch there a couple of weeks ago, and like there's not a soul in the park. But for this <laughs> one week, it is packed, and I just I, the energy is is second to none. Yeah. Crew, you've traveled a lot of places. How does that energy compare? Oh, it's, it's, it's a bit different. I think just because it's a bit historical too, you walk in and there's like, it's not like anything fancy, but there's a history to it. Um, that when you get there, it's like, Oh, this is like really nice. It's like winning it like twice now. It's like, it's probably my, my favorite like tournament wins. The first time I won it, I was like, this is really cool. Like I, I sort of like left. I was like, this is really cool. Like to, to, to win this tournament is actually like really cool. Like I was like a bit like kind of, you know, it wasn't like winning a future or anything. Futures are cool, but like that was like, a, it was special. Your name is going to be in that, that trophy forever. And um, it, I, I actually think, you know, what they do there, um, it's like, obviously I think it's like a case study and, and people should like, you know, be looking at what they do there and how they, they'd be able to, engage the community and, and, and obviously do that more. I actually remember, you know, if anything, the one tournament I felt, I wouldn't say it was the same, but I thought Little Rock was actually yeah. very, like the community was very well. active. Yeah. Um, I ended up like winning that one, but it was, um, you know, it was packed. The stand was like 35 degrees in the finals and the stands were packed. Uh, and I, at the time it was a future and then became a challenger. So uh, clearly they were doing something right to be able to upgrade. So. Not many places do that well, but but you can be done. Yeah, but yeah, I, think record, I, I was gonna say quickly when Carew. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off for a no, no, go. joke. I'm gonna do it anyways. When Carew tells people he won Little Rock, he doesn't differentiate from future challengers. Like, yeah, I've won Little Rock. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, carry it was on. the last year. It was a future. <laughs> yeah. But Maybe my it is a great tournament. There, I've played that one as well. Um, the the one in uh, Germantown, Tennessee, right before it was quite nice too. That's where shout out Catherine Harrison. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the, I think a lot of the college tournaments can, can take a book, take a note out of kind of what, what the Ojai does. And so I'd like your opinion on this too, but like, that's where I see danger when, oh, NCAAs are going to be hosted in like Nona every couple of years. It's like, does that really have that same level of energy that can be manifested at an Athens, for instance, because Athens is the same, same type of feeling. I actually, we played at Stanford my freshman year in 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. I mean, that was such a great venue. You yeah, know, the, the, the only issue, just, I'm curious if you felt this as well, because you guys advanced in Athens past Georgia. Does Athens stay the same after Georgia loses? Like, yeah, is it still definitely. that yeah, energized? I mean, when we played like USC in either 2012 and 2012, we played them indoors cause it was yeah. raining. So it was a little bit different environment, but I mean, one of the loudest indoor experiences I've ever played against or played in. And then 2014, we were outside on the main stadium and it was packed. Yeah. I, th- I think Georgia does a good job, but it doesn't, you know, everyone always says Georgia, but I think you get a college town, like, a, you know, like Texas A&M, you know, even like, yeah. You know, I, I think those were always the even if the facilities aren't as great, maybe I, I, I haven't been to some of those, but it, I think we we should be more focused on environment than than on like oh we have a hundred courts here at Lake Nona. Yeah, like, totally. Have you been to a Lake Nona NCAA, Alex? That's Maybe. the only that I've been to 
only the only NCAs I've been to two in Lake Nona. Oh, I guess three now. Lake Nona, Champaign, and then I went to the one in Winston Salem in 2018. I've never been to Athens. It's uh, you're, not pick, you're not picking them super well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Winston Salem's cool. I mean, yeah, I, I like Winston Salem. No, I mean. I, I Athens is twenty twenty six. I know Baylor's twenty twenty five. Oklahoma State twenty twenty four. I'm sure Baylor would be packed. Even though yeah, I think Baylor, Oklahoma State, State is also Baylor a good choice. Fun. Yeah, like I just yeah, I just don't see. I get it. Like maybe LA is not a place that it works, and, I, and I'm totally okay with that. But I think there's plenty of places um, that you could just like absolutely like crush. So I mean, I'm frustrated enough they chose Carson for the ultimate tennis showdown. Yeah. Oh, the only yeah. people I know that want to go watch that, and then they're like, wait, it's in Carson? <laughs> wait, yeah. what? No, all these venues matter. Again, that that's yeah. what's clear is you have to have the right environment. And even – so I was at the Bloomfield Hills Challenger, which is like 10 minutes from my parents' house. And you know it helped to be at Cranbrook, which is a gorgeous school, and it was uh, really enjoyable. But uh, I – like. It helped that the tennis community was so starved for pro tennis. They didn't care if it was a challenger, a 250, a future. They just they wanted to see pro tennis because the colleges are all about an hour away plus. And, you know, again, to uh, have that sort of opportunity to see a Katie Shikori in person, a Steve Johnson in person. I, I just think it's about, yeah, finding uh, the right communities. And so, again, credit to to all of these cities that do take the time to embrace it. And I do think college campuses in particular, you know, you just have a foundation of excited human beings and you get them around any sort of sporting event, professional or not. I think that always helps. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to these next three NCAs. That's my way of saying I do want to see them on other college campuses because I've seen Orlando yeah. and I want to see how the crowds compare. And speaking of colleges, this will be my last one for you. And then I want to talk improve, but I'll start with you, Carew. If you could improve, this is our improve sponsored question of the day. Impromptu, shout out. Um, if you could improve any one decision from the UCLA 2014 team, what's the one decision you would change? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably probably not choking the, the my last service game on the. <laughs> uh, I could tell. I could tell you what it is. On the, on you, would, that. you would tell me never to use that eco grip. Shout oh, the eco grip. <laughs> Clay was lights out, absolutely lights out all all year long, and then all of a sudden he shows up playing with some dumbass eco grip <laughs> that like he just went from like being the best player in college to like losing to everybody. And I was like, "What are you doing? Play with a real grip. It's either Torna grip or like Wilson Yonics white. Those are the only two options that are possible." Um, that one definitely, that is a good one, Clay. Fuck. That's a great one. Uh, but for me, it would be probably throwing a serve and volley on that, that 40, 30 that I had to, to finish the match against Galea. <laughs> I mean, Marcos, Carew and I had probably lost a combined five matches all year yeah. and we all lost on the same freaking yeah, that was day. A tough one. That was a tough one. Losing that one. It was a tough one. Like I, 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 I agree with Clay that I, I, I hate that one a little bit. That, that's the one that keeps me up, man. Like that's the one that's like that. That team, we all came together so well. We obviously had a, such a great time, you know, a couple of weeks leading up to the NCAA's, and I think we just like were really like teammates for the first time that I had seen in my UCLA experience, and uh, that's the one that that really grinds me. Yeah, I. So first of all, both great answers. That's what I like to hear. I figured you'd say change the doubles lineup earlier 
because I know there was the pre-Virginia match. By the way, that Virginia 2014 match is one of the matches like lost to time. That's one of the best oh, dual matches. I wish I had that on video so bad. That was because one of the best days of my life. <laughs> five three setters, right? Talk to me. Yeah. I mean, you lose to him the year before. Talk to me about the match, Clay. Oh, I just remember beating Mitchell Frank and being <laughs> so, so happy. <laughs> I mean, that, that's really the thing that I remember the most. But I mean, how close it was, how kind of, you know, there was the tension from the previous year. I think we had an amazing turnout that day at LATC. I mean, this, the crowd was packed. I, I will forever remember beating Mitchell Frank and then just being in the locker room, like so excited with my teammates. And I mean, Marcos, I think beat Damajan that day. Um, I, I can't remember exactly who else won. Did you win Kuru? No, I lost. Win? I lost a tie. Oh yeah. I yeah. think there were three, seven, six in the thirds that day too. Yeah. Yeah. Did Mackie win? Who was it? Who was Mackie that, that, was five and did four. Did we win I think. doubles or did we lose? Yeah, a rare yeah, win I think we doubles. Won doubles. Yeah. yeah, that was I think that was the first match you and Marcos played one crew. But two oh, yeah. Two two Mitchell Frank's personality too. And I, I have a lot of respect for Mitchell. I mean, he's not he's not my not my type of player, but I have a lot of respect for him. So as I beat him, I throw my racket in all my glory and it hits it literally hits the net before the ball bounces. <laughs> like barely. And he goes, No, 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 the racket, it hit the net. And I'm just like, There's no way this is happening again. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been hilarious. Oh yeah, second time a little overall because you were like seven five in the third, I think. If, yeah, if, I think it was if, seven five. I don't think it was seven six, but yeah, yeah, I remember like he he like sailed an out ball, and I just like threw my racket, and I just like that feeling of like I just beat Mitchell Frank felt so good because he was a great player too. I mean, you know, he he never was. I think he was number one in the nation in college at one at one point, but I don't think his ranking was ever really reflective of how just tough he was to play. And I mean, talk about mentally disciplined this guy just he made you want to just throw your racket into your own skull yeah or into the net before, yeah, the, ball into the, net before the ball yeah, yeah exactly that's the effect he has no i mean i'm curious obviously you guys care about ucla tennis is there i don't want to get you in trouble not that i think this question will but what, oh, what do we got to do to get the bruins back on the right path it's it's a constant uh, point of contention for us, I think. And Carew and I have a group chat with Marcos and McCurchin and kind of all the people from our era. And I think we're just so upset by the state of things, for one, but I think more upset by how motivated we were as players to represent the university and succeed and how we just see a complete lack of respect from the current players for that legacy. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not going not, to not, not name names, but it's just to see players like wallowing or not wallowing but like uh, you know being in their own like respect and their own glory of like oh i'm a ucla player and i'm representing the university well and then to be the face of the team that is literally the worst team that ucla has ever had in its history yeah i mean i you know i don't really know this current generation i know there's like a you know a few guys i think from the previous generation that i didn't think you know maybe didn't handle college tennis like well mentally and, and, and sort of like quit on the team. And I think there was like a lot of that, like I, I understand there's, there's players who aren't as good and that that's fair to, to, to just expect them to be winning a lot, but there were guys who, you know, would be winning, you know, outside of college tennis, but not be winning, you know, when the dual matches came and I thought there was, I don't know. Obviously, I think every program has its faults, but to to 
just like whatever, you know what I mean? Like you just go out and, and you win and you, you try to, you know, your best to win. And I, I don't know how you're, we're going to turn it around. I think they're, I think the NIL is going to make everything a bit more complicated, to be honest. Um, you know, like UCLA, UCLA is very strict with certain things and, 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 and you know, it's not going to be easy to just, you know, give a kid 50 grand for an appearance fee to come to your school for two months and then like, leave and i was a college tennis player i'm like that you were you know what i mean i'm sorry like you know i i just don't think you were you you are at that point and i think the nil thing is going to make it a bit more complicated to turn things around um you know some schools are offering crazy money for for a kid to come to go there um so it's tricky I, i don't know exactly what it is i just hope you know people continue to to look at ucla as as a you know a, a place that you want to go to and 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 maybe try to turn the 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 ship around because i you know it continues to be i think a, a prime destination if you want to get better we obviously have an, enough guys in the top 100 and have had enough talent coming out of that to for people to understand that so yeah tricky stuff i mean things are multiple factors that you know have played into this and you know hopefully we can turn it around yeah. I think oh, the culture yeah. needs to evolve a little bit. I think that's I think that's that's the main thing. I just don't see again, we thrived on our independent kind of egos driving our culture and wanting to be better than than everyone else um on the team, but that culture hasn't really stuck through to the newest generation and so I think they got to find something. I mean that works yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look again, I think everyone's eagerly anticipating what's going to happen when UCLA does make the move to the Big Ten just more broadly, but UCLA is the definition of a blue blood in college tennis, and the sport is better when UCLA is firing on all cylinders, and yeah, I mean, again, it's crazy because Cressy, Mackey, Marcos, they've been top 100 guys these past couple of years, and, you know, again, it's just it's it's been fascinating to see and i it will be interesting to see how this group because it is a younger group now it does feel like there's yeah. been some turnover in the roster how this group does embrace that ucla history one of the biggest storylines and you know again if they're looking for plans for improvement they can always turn to the improve app and that is where i want to end today's conversation because you guys have already given me far too much of your time clay in your new capacity ceo co-founder talk to us about the improve app your story how you got involved and why this is what you wanted to pursue yeah so i appreciate you highlighting this um it's it's this has really been a passion project for for me and my co-founder he was he's an older older guy uh, he played tennis at nyu back in the day and we was we kind of got together and wanted to create a system to help tennis players with all facets and originally we were putting together a fund of money to help college players and kind of with all the, the struggles that we talked about earlier and we ended up creating the system that we felt could apply to literally any form of improvement and so we partnered with Carew to you know create a really uh, extensive tennis school which can help you with any aspect of your game and sort of the differentiation that we have versus what is readily available on the internet is if all three of us go take a master class or if all three of us go you know take one of the various classes online we get the same exact experience and there's really no community around it so you know maybe i need to work on my you know footwork and my endurance and karu needs to work on his first serve and then you need to work on your consistency whatever it is we all get completely different and personalized experiences um 
aside from that, we're really trying to kind of bring together the tennis community. So we're offering a free product, but we also ask our users to consider subscribing to our $3.99 a month. Uh, that money goes to support Carew and, and his endeavor to create the best tennis content. And, you know, we also um, support people like you. Uh, so if you bring us any users, we're going to give you a bounty payment. So I appreciate that. And our goal is really to unite the tennis community around improvement. So if you want to get better, we want to be the one-stop shop. We also want to do a lot of educational events. We want to, you know, a, a portion of our subscription money is going towards supporting aspiring players. So, you know, we're, we're really trying to bring this together. And, you know, I, I really appreciate any uh, love that you can give us and any love that your fan base can give us as, as we embark on this journey. No, it will be our pleasure. And, you know, Carew, you have been striving to create content that is Again, exactly what Improve is about. And for those that don't remember, obviously, My Tennis HQ has been providing, you know, not just your pretty face, but instructional videos on all sorts of different aspects of the game. And, you know, I'm curious, why was this? Obviously, I think knowing Clay had something to do with it. But why was partnering with this Improve app and, again, continuing to build out this mission? Why was this so perfect for you guys at My Tennis HQ? I think, um, you know, there was like a part, the, the main one of the main reasons my tennis HU even started was because, um, you know, I, I, there was a lot of content already online when we started, um, there have been guys doing, you know, the YouTube thing. And, and obviously a lot of people have jumped into the, the Instagram stuff and just making content, instructional content, uh, for a long time now. And I think part of the reason why we started is like, I felt maybe there was something missing. Maybe there was like, yeah, I wouldn't say anyone was, that was coaching already was doing anything wrong by any means um but you know I, I i wanted to give a little bit of my fresh perspective on things i thought you know there was a lot of emphasis on for a little bit i, I thought there was a lot of emphasis on like technical things that you know technique from the pros that you should be you know copying and stuff like that and people trying to hit the forehand like roger i'm like no one can hit the forehand like roger you know and it's a very difficult you know thing to do and and we were focusing on those things just for the click so no we started um we started, you know, I started at least trying to like, you know, bring light to certain things that I find to be incredibly helpful when you're playing to win, right? To compete, not to just have pretty strokes or something like that. Um, and I think the partnership with Improve allows me to, you know, we, we've tried different like memberships and stuff like that, but it's always difficult with the price points, things like that. Um, but what Improve does is, you know, everything in our school you know, all the articles, all the video, all the all the stuff that we were going to put in that school. Um, it's vetted by me. Um, you know, I chose I we you know, I I believe in it in that instruction. It could be a footwork drill. It could be a little foreign thing. It doesn't matter what is it. Um, you know, uh, if you kind of come to the channel and you, you trust what I say and I'm, I don't know if I'm right or wrong all the time, I'm continuing to learn. Um, but I uh, you know, I have an eye for that stuff. So instead of spending countless of hours, maybe looking for the information uh, online um, and not knowing what resources, you know, maybe good for you or bad for you, what info, because information, there's so much information, like pe people know, like they will miss a shot and they know what they need to do because they've seen it enough. They don't, they don't know, ex they've seen so many like videos about that or whatever. 
but they sometimes don't know, you know, just how to learn the feel of it. Like, does this feel, you know, proper right now? They might like, they're paying attention to too many things and there's so much noise. And I think with improve with our school, we can, we can eliminate a little bit of that noise and make it a bit more, um, you know, obviously curated for your needs. Um, but it also keeps you, um, on track to, to, to kind of achieve your goals. Cause again, you, you might be like, Hey, like maybe I want to drive my forehand a little bit more, but then you watch this video. It's like how to hit crazy amounts of top spin. And then you're like, yeah, you know, maybe I should be doing this. And I'm like, Oh my God, like you can't be doing that all the time. So I think this is like kind of the perfect thing that my tennis HQ needed because there is a lot of great content out there, especially from like smaller creators. There's a lot of small creators that I, you know, just randomly see that I'm like, that's good footwork stuff. That's good. Whatever. So I just like, obviously, you know, I sent it to Clay. We added it to the, to the school and the school has a lot of great stuff in it. So um, I think it's kind of the perfect, if you're really serious about your improvements and it's fun, there's, you know, it's gamified, you're getting, you know, there's a, you know, a leaderboard there with, with time, we're going to be able to do, you know, maybe some fun stuff with that leaderboard. And um, so, and I'm going to add some, some special content that is just for, for improve. So there, there's all sorts of stuff and price point wise, it, it's cheap. You know, I, I, it's always a tricky thing. I, I, I like to make tennis more accessible. Like, yes, there's certain things that at the end of the day are expensive in tennis, but if that sort of information can be accessible, I think it's a, it's a great platform. So it's really fun. I mean, I think, you know, we can give it a good, you know, anyone that's listening can give it a go. Um, I think you're going to like actually really like the app and, and it, we're just starting. So we're just going to develop it together. We're going to hear the feedback um, and just keep making it better. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Karu hit it when he said it's it's for people that that want to get better and are serious about their improvement. And and if you are one of those types of people and and you love tennis, we you know we invite you to join our community. And as he said, we're building this. This is we don't feel like we've nailed it by any means, but we're off to a good start. I know our users are telling us they like where we're heading. So you know, come join us, give us your feedback, and and hopefully we we'll, we can uh, build the world's greatest improvement platform together. Yeah, I love to hear it. And again, it's personalized. You can find all the things you are looking for. It doesn't have to be just forehands, backhands. Again, it can be little things. I imagine you guys are going to start getting to the break dieting as well. All aspects yep. to improve. Strategy, yep. All those yeah. things. Yep. And yeah, there's all gonna... sorts of stuff. I mean, we, we really like have all the categories that, you know, you're going to rate yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, algorithm is going to be like, okay, you need to improve here, here, and here. So it's going to have some focus on pri- some priorities. So, you know, with time, we're probably going to add more categories in there, more, more special stuff. So really like, um, again, we're, we're just kind of building it right now. Um, and we have a, you know, a couple of, I don't even know, a few thousand like action items in there. So there's plenty of content and, and, you know, again, people can kind of learn a little bit on the go and have a good time. I think if you guys need a roasting feature, that's where I come in. Like someone hits, sends you a forehand that's disgusting, and I get to say Benoit Pair's forehand thinks that forehand is ugly, or just you know yeah. things like that. That's the that's it. the that's the final feature. I'm in. Um, I, I yeah. want to get you as involved as possible. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and yeah, again, really appreciate you both taking the time. The only thing I would disagree with there. And, you know, crew, for you to lie to both of us and say no one can replicate Roger Federer's forehand when all three of us have seen Ray Sarmiento hit a forehand. That's true. He does have a very similar forehand. Yeah, that's that's as close as it gets to us mortal humans hitting like Federer. And so, yeah, we'll do an instructional of how to hit the Ray forehand, not the Federer. The Ray forehand forehand would be a good one. Yeah, because that I'll take that one. It's nice and compact and can take it and take it. Oh, he used to use the Federer racket too, the ninety square inch. I mean, there's yeah. 
No, and very few, Federer, very few tennis players I, I think compared say, to his clean. I think Federer switched to the big one and Ray switched to the big one for a couple of months as well, just to be yeah. like, is this what we're doing now? Um, yeah. yeah, but so, he became a Yonix guy. He became yeah. a Yonix guy. Yeah. Uh, I go. love the, yeah. the Yonix racket is, I call it the perfect yeah. cookie because it yeah. still has the outside and it stays in shape, but then you bite into it and it's just a mushy Babolat sweat. Yeah, and you're like, perfect. this is, yeah, this is what it's all about. Anyways, free plug for Babolat, but more importantly, free plug for the improve app which again we are so excited to learn more about and excited to get to hear about today so crew clay thank you both for taking the time to come on the show obviously don't be strangers we're happy to have you back and uh obviously wishing you both luck in all you're doing thanks so much it was a pleasure thank you thank you man appreciate it Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with both Clay Thompson and Carousel. A massive thank you to each of them for taking the time to chat. I said 30 minutes, guys, that work. And they said as long as you need, Alex. We ultimately, of course, end up going an hour. And again, why stop a conversation when it's that enjoyable as it was? So a massive thank you to each of them. Hoping to have them both on the show more in the new near future because I just feel like there's more meat left on the bone for us to discuss. And I mean, we always have Carew on the show. He's a returning champion. Here at Crack Rackets, look forward to naming Clay another returning champion when he returns in the future. And again, Improve App. Be sure to download it. You can learn more about them on their website, improveapp.com, M-P-R-O-O-V-app.com to learn more. Thank you to Clay. Thank you to Karu for joining us. If you're looking for more content, Great Shot Podcast, Mini Break Podcast, The Breakpoint Show, all of them available wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the phenomenal job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to our friends at Turna for their support on this show. Remember to learn more. Uh, just email sales at uniquesports.com. Be sure to get whether it's Turna Tough, the latest Turna innovations, they're all available. Learn more by emailing sales at uniquesports.com to see how you can become a part of the Turner team today. With all of that said, for the fantastic Clay Thompson and Carousel, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>